The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook Podcast for the month of September is Zero Mile Mark. Zero Mile Mark is a veteran-owned company that strives to offer high-quality, active, outdoor sports gear. They are on mission to get people outdoors by offering an array of products like tents, backpacks, hammocks, sleeping bags, lighting, and more. All sales have a 30-day warranty and ship via two-day shipping to 97% of the United States. And get this deal. For a limited time only, listeners can head over to ZeroMileMark.com and take advantage of their free tent promotion. Yes, you heard that right. If you'll get online, add any item into the shopping cart that exceeds $30, a tent will appear automatically for $0. It's a free tent, easy checkout, and fast shipping. And guys, I have this tent. I also have a backpack from there and can testify it's great quality. It's a real deal. And Brian, the owner, is a really cool guy. I want you guys to get some stuff, get some products, get this free tent, and get outdoors. Enjoy your life. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 59. I'm finishing the Worldview series today, and we are moving on next week. But today I want to finish by talking about biblical worldview and abortion. Let's pray. Lord, this is a really difficult topic to discuss because it's so personal to so many. And Lord, help me to think biblically and to speak clearly and to help these pastors and anybody listening to equip their people at their local churches to do the best they can to see abortion done away with in our country. Lord Jesus, please help me. I trust that you will. So your name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit of a history, my history, in dealing with the local church and abortion. I grew up in a church that was, by a lot of measurable standards, very healthy. But at some point, they lost their way. And when I say that, it was an ecclesiological problem. There was elders. There were elders in place that weren't true elders. They had the title, but not the character. And unfortunately, things ended up imploding there. Not all the elders, but many of them were that way. And the pastor, what ended up happening is that he became uber-political. Everything was political. We would come in on a Sunday morning, and we would get the local candidates on a piece of paper and the state candidates and, and national candidates during voting season, and we were pretty much informed on who to vote for without being told who to vote for. And things got really weird, just got really weird. But one of the things that was tied into what we were doing was abortion. And the pastor had gotten really, really passionate about abortion. And we had started praying and going to abortion clinics. And when that church ended up imploding, I kind of threw everything that I experienced in that church into one bucket and and kind of shut the door and didn't look back. And I just associated everything that we did there as being weird or unbiblical or whatever. And now, being a few years removed, a decade or so removed, I'm able to look back and thank the Lord for some really good things that happened there. And even the weird stuff, I'm able to kind of weed through that and just see, okay, what was what was weird and what was actually biblical and what was good? And I think some of the ways that they were done with my experience were were not as hopeful, but I think the emphasis on ending abortion was good 
and right. And the way it was implemented in that church was, was not good and right. But my history with abortion and the local church is tied in to all sorts of knots. And thankfully, the Lord has been untying those knots over the years. And I've got a burden for abortion and seeing it ended, eradicated, done away with, and people who practice it prosecuted. So why? Why? Well, Luke was really helpful for me understanding this. Not Luke like my friend Luke, but Luke like the biblical Luke. Luke has several passages in chapter 1 and 2 that help me clarify that this is not just a political issue. This is a biblical issue. And even if it was a political issue, by the way, does the Bible not speak to politics? I mean, for goodness sakes, we say that's a political issue and just stop talking about it. But the Bible informs politics, informs policies. The Bible is not neutral in any way to any area of life. It has claim on everything, as we've been talking about. But the Bible really is clear. And I have four verses for you to consider, and then um, a final verse in Proverbs to consider. But first, I just want to establish the, the biblical ground for a baby being a baby in the womb. Let's establish that first biblically. So Luke chapter 1, verse 41, here's what, here's what it says. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have baby and womb together in the same passage. But that's not the only place. Here we go. Luke 1, says it again. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Okay, there we go again. Baby, womb. Now, chapter 2, verse 5. And Joseph went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Who was with child. There we go again. Child in the womb. And then chapter 2, verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, this is the same Greek word for a baby in the womb and now outside of the womb. Here we have a baby outside of the womb, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and it's the exact same word. The Bible clearly tells us the same thing that's out of a womb, baby, is the same thing that's in the womb, baby. This is God's definitive word. So we know this in science. We know this in our world today. The radical left and pro-abortion people now are affirming, yeah, that's a baby, we know, but the baby has no rights. The woman has the right to choose what to do with her body. You guys have heard the arguments. You know the arguments. And if anybody sees, for instance, a second trimester abortion video, you can get little animated videos that are out there from Life Action or just several different places. And if you can have somebody watch that and say, yeah, I'm for that, that's a horrible person. They have been, their consciences have been seared. They're suppressing the truth. And it's gotten into just, it's, it's absolutely vile that somebody could be for that. And if you are for that, I'm going to plead with you to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus because you are for something that is absolutely wicked and absolutely vile. And that second trimester abortions, the vast majority of those abortions, as many of you know, are done by forceps and the removal piece by piece of the baby. They put the forceps in the birth canal and grab the baby by the arm, head, leg, whatever. And can we even, talk, I mean, how can we even talk about it without weeping? It's just awful. And so for those 
people who are performing the abortions. The Bible has something to say to people who are performing abortions also, and it's not good. For those who are performing abortions, and for Christians who now find themselves in situations where abortions are now legal, like in the state of Illinois, doctors and nurses who are now at institutions that are not abortion clinics that are allowed to, that are allowed to do abortions, they're going to have to be people who are Christians who stand up and either quit or physically stop. If you are in the room, and let's, let's just make it really clear. If you're in the room, and let's just think of the innocence that's in the room, in the, in the baby's womb. If I'm in a room and there is an abortion about to take place, I am going to physically stop at the cost of my life, going to prison, whatever. I am going to physically stop the doctor from performing that murder. Okay, let's not get so desensitized to what's happening here to say that a Christian could be in the room or be in training or perform an abortion for uh, nurse training or something like that. If you have to do that, if they're asking you to do that, quit on the spot. And if you're pastoring people who are in the medical profession, especially like in states like Illinois or New York, you're going to have to plead with them to either quit their job or risk going to prison by refusing to do what they're demanding them to do. Like This is where it's at. They're bringing the fight to our doorstep and they're asking us to be complicit in murder. And so if you are in the medical field or have people in the medical field, train them biblically to know that this is not a neutral matter. And here's what Proverbs chapter 6 says, verse 17. And listen to this. This is for all abortion doctors, anybody who perform abortions. This is for them. Let's start in verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood. Murder is happening. Murder. And there are hands that are shedding innocent blood and calling it a medical practice. And again, we get so desensitized to it, and it is wicked, and it is vile, and it is the shedding of innocent blood, and God will have vengeance. Vengeance is his, and he will have it. But we cannot buy into the way the world talks about abortion. And I want to suggest a few action steps and just say, what can we do about it in local churches? Well, the first thing that we can do about it is don't go with the world's terms. Don't go with the world's terms. It's not a fetus. It is a baby. There's a baby in the womb. And don't bend to the PC world and culture and call it a fetus. It's not a fetus. It is a baby. It's a child. We can call abortion clinics abortion mills. Called an abortion mill. It is a murder mill. And they are going through that place 30, 40, 50 a day in some clinics. We have a clinic about an hour and a half north of us. And there's about, about 30 people a day that are murdered there by murderers. So call it, call it an abortion mill. Call abortion murder. Abortion is not a simple medical practice. It is not a procedure. It's a murder. Call, call it what it is. Call murder, murder. And that's what abortion clearly, clearly is. And then we can make action steps like calling our political leaders, local, state, national. We can call them. We can write them. We can plead for them. And we can actually go to these mills. We can go to an abortion mill and we can pray and plead with mothers as they walk in. We can uh, sing songs. We can pray that the doctors repent and be prosecuted for their sins. And listen, listen to this, and this is how crazy it is, uh, and then we'll, and we'll wrap it up. People who defend abortion, they will plead with pro-lifers saying, what about in the case of rape and incest? Rape and incest. Well, number one, those are very, very, very rare occasions, and we want to speak against rape and incest. Just for those 
pro-choicers who think that pro-lifers aren't against that. We are definitely against rape and incest. We are against that. The Bible is against that. God is against that. Okay? But in the case of abortion, here's the reality. The Christian should say, yeah, those who commit rape, they should die. That's the wages of sin, and that's a violation of God's law. And somebody, if a woman gets raped, the man who rapes her should be killed. You know who shouldn't be killed? The baby. The baby shouldn't be killed. Well, what about in the case of incest? Well, you know who should be killed? The person, the perpetrator, the incest. The one who instigated the sexual, the sexual sin. That's the person who should be killed, who should be punished by death. You know who shouldn't be punished by death? The baby. Folks, it's not that hard. It really isn't. And if we use their language and speak of it as a procedure in the way they do, and if we just walk in this matrix that's been created since Roe v. Wade, then we will just completely walk blindly from decade to decade and not seeing this thing eradicated. But my gosh, by the grace of God, there has been some progress, both by the incrementalists and by the abolitionists that are fighting this abortion debate. There are some who want to... Who want to eradicate abortion through policies over decades, and there are many that are wanting to call for for abortion to be ended right now, and that's kind of more in the, the camp that I'm in. But praise God, there is some headway happening, and people are starting to see that this is actually murder. What are we doing? We are murdering children, and it's happening right in our cities. And unfortunately, in the state of Illinois, it could happen in any medical clinic throughout the state. But by God's grace, we're going to see this stuff turned around. And as Christians step up and see and call a spade a spade and say the truth, speak the truth and pray and call for people to repent of their sins and trust in Christ and care for moms and children who are in their congregations, well, by God's grace, we can see things turn. And by the way, if you do have moms and babies in your church, if we want to be thoroughly pro-life, which the, which the, the pro-choicers say we're not, then care for babies and moms in your churches. And churches are notorious for caring for babies and moms. We do care for those who have life. And now let's finish with some good news. For those who have, for those women who have had abortions, for those doctors who are performing abortions, there is good news. Because there was a man, Jesus Christ, who was born of a woman, who survived the womb and lived his life a perfectly obedient person from the moment he was born to the moment he died. And he did it obeying God's law perfectly. And he died a brutal death on a cross and he rose from that tree. He rose from the grave. He came alive and he's now ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father and one day coming back for those who are his. And there is forgiveness in his name for all sorts of sins. He died in the place of sinners. Are you a murderer? Well, Jesus died in the place of murderers. Those babies, those babies who die in the womb, God is big enough to save. And I think that each aborted person, each aborted baby that's ever been aborted, it's my position biblically through Romans chapter 1 that all of those babies are, are the elect of God and are in his presence right now. God is a God who saves and he loves even sinners who murder. And so there is hope. If you're pastoring people who have committed abortions and got them, please don't just throw condemnation on condemnation. They need to know that they did murder their child. But they need to know if they're in Christ that Jesus died in their place as a murderer. So they now don't have to walk in condemnation. And so, by the grace of God, we can be people who are grace-filled, compassionate, and don't live our lives decade by decade. Then looking back one day saying, well, I wish I would have done something. By the grace of God, let's do something.
Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.